name's Ashton, if you didn't know that. Uh, I'm currently the associate college pastor here. Fun fact, the first song I ever learned on the drums, which is the instrument I'm actually good at, was Runaway by Journey. Anybody? Yeah. Um, I had this electric drum set in our basement um, because drums are loud and I wasn't good when we started. So electric drum sets, if you didn't know, you can put headphones on. Um, but the only problem with that is to everyone else, it sounds like this or bad. But to you, you sound like you're drumming for Bon Jovi and it sounds good. Um, my mom has these videos where we would be playing. Mason would be on electric and I'd be on drums and it would sound honestly terrible. Like they were very proud of us, but we were very bad, uh, at least starting out. Um, but all you could hear was because we were the only ones who could hear the music, like we were the only ones who could hear what we're playing to, but to everyone else it sounded just like garbage. Um, why is that? Because you couldn't hear the words. It's just, I mean, unless you're a phenomenal instrumentalist, you need words for a song to be good, generally. Um, and like I said, we were not that good starting out. Um, those videos weren't great sounding because there were no words. We were the only ones who could hear the words because we had those little headphones in. Um, we sing in church words for a reason. Music is special for a lot of reasons, but y'all ever wonder why we sing in church? Why we actually sing words? Did y'all know singing was not invented for us? It wasn't just a gift for us to enjoy. You can enjoy it, but it's not strictly for your enjoyment. Isn't it wonderful, though, that the, the best things like that in life are, that are enjoyable and unifying can be used for God's glory, like singing? Riddle me this. Who's been to a concert here? Wow, that was way more than I thought. Okay, someone just blurred out the concert you went to. Okay. Coldplay, something, Ryan, train. Anybody else? Green Day. What else? Who said kiss? Nice, that's cool. Anyways, okay, there's a unifying factor about concerts, right? Everyone is, usually, if it's a good concert, everyone is singing the words, and it's very unifying, and it's cool to hear everybody singing. However, at these concerts, the, the artists, the musicians, the only thing they're leading us to is the words, the lyrics, the song. They're not leading us to anything else. What's cool about worship is that the, the worship leaders, the words, the most likely the biblical study behind it when people are writing these songs. It's meant to lead you in worship and adoration to the throne of God. So that's why you go to a uh, concert, and it's awesome. You experience the coolness of it, but you don't feel a spiritual aspect to it. Um, you could walk into West Campus on a Tuesday night, and even if a third of y'all were here, you would have felt something spiritual because the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people, right? So... Um, we're going to go through Psalm 100 today, and it's a call to worship. Um, not just any worship, because there's a lot of ways you worship the Lord, but musical worship involving the singing of words with your mouth. Um, but before we get into the passage, I want to show you all why singing is special really quickly. So singing in worship, it is not a task, it's a gift. A lot of times we come into church thinking, okay, I know when to sit, stand up, I know when to sit down, I know what I'm supposed to do. Did you all know that you're privileged with the gift of singing. You have a mouth that works, that can say words and sing words. Not everyone has this. From, you know, birth defects to illnesses and disease, some people cannot speak. Um, so the gift to sing, it's good. And I mean the gift not to sing good, because 
You don't have to be a good singer to worship God. I just mean to sing, to actually be able to say and sing words. God didn't ask for good singers. He requires faithful worshipers. So on that note, don't ever be embarrassed to do the thing God made you to do. If someone ever makes fun of you for that, they're very much in the wrong, and they're in a worse position than you are. So continue to be bold and do the thing you were meant to do, and that's praise God and worship. Um, so not only, real quick, is singing a gift, uh, not a task. It is necessary. Singing in worship is necessary. By necessary, I don't mean you have to do it or you'll die, um, but you should do it. You're commanded to, so stop saying, I'm not really much of a singer. Get over it. Have you all ever been eating with a sibling and you're not really feeling the meal or with a friend or even on a date? Uh, Mason does this to me all the time, uh, and I'm still eating it. I'm literally still chewing, and he goes, you want to eat that? I'm like, I'm eating it now. He's like, can I have it? And sometimes he's joking. Sometimes he's being serious. And he goes, I go, no, stop. I'm still eating that. But the thing behind it is he's wanting to finish my food for me because I wasn't, I wasn't eating it. There are a lot of times when, more often than not, it's the guy on a date with a girl. The girl doesn't finish the food. The guy goes, oh, no, just keep it. Save it for later. We'll figure something out. And he eats it on the way home. So growing up, I did not allow leftovers in our house. Is that true? I mean, it was not bad for anyone else, but it was really good for me because uh, when everyone would leave the dinner table, there'd still be like half of a pot of whatever my mom would make. Uh, and I would see it as, I can't, I can't leave this. Like, I can't let this go uneaten. I have to eat it. Um, I, I mean, it was not going to go anywhere. Like, it would have been put in the fridge, but I was like, oh, I can't let this go to waste, so I'd eat it. There's a biblical example to where when we leave something for someone else, Something else will step in. In Luke 19, we have this example of Jesus. He's entering Jerusalem, uh, and the people are singing praises to him. And because the religious leaders did not think he was God, but his followers did, we read, When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they'd seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, they said. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he said, if they kept quiet, the stones would cry out. Y'all ever heard a stone speak? Okay, me neither. We get to worship a God who's so deserving of praise that if we were quiet, the stones would have to cry out. Y'all remember the song, So Will I? In the bridge, in the middle of the song, it talks about if the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your praise, so will I. It's almost as if creation is worshiping God. So, of course, we should, too. But Jesus says, if, if they were to keep quiet and not praise me, the stones would cry out. Worship is necessary, but even though he says the rocks would cry out, if you don't, let's keep the stones silent, if you know what I mean. Uh, okay, first point, Psalm 100. Let's go ahead and read it. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It's he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Number one, everyone should worship God with joy. First verse says, shout for joy to the Lord. Who? Can you all read that? All the earth, not just some, 
It says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Everyone should worship God with joy. Whether you think you should or not, we are commanded to worship God. Philippians says that there will come a day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It says in Philippians 2, 10 through 11, that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone is supposed to worship God, but not grudgingly or grumbling. Um, growing up, and even now uh, when I'm at home, my brothers and I are told, or encouraged rather, to do chores. For some, sometimes we had like a chore system, and it was like, okay, this week you guys have to do this, or else, honestly, nothing usually ever happened, because we'd either get them done, or my parents would feel bad. Um, that they were going to punish us, and then we would just do them because we know they felt bad, so we felt bad. Um, but there was often this problem where if they would have to get to the point to ask us, um, they wouldn't even want us to do it. Specifically, if my parents said, hey, we need one of you three, there's three of us brothers, we need you all to do the dishes, and by the day they needed us to do it by, we hadn't done it, they said, hey, I asked you all to do the dishes, and usually my mom or dad would be doing them as they are saying it, so... We felt the guilt, and we got the, the direction of, hey, you messed up. Um, but a lot of times, I learned because I was the oldest, but Mason or Wesley would go, okay, okay, I'll just do it, I'll just do it. And my parents would go, nope, too late, I'm already doing it. The problem was they did not have a joyful heart in doing this. They'd go, okay, okay, I guess I'll do it. And so my parents would say, I don't even want you to do it anymore because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it out of necessity, out of you should love me enough to just wash your cereal bowl with Captain Crunch in it. But they did not have a, we did not have a joyful heart in it. Sometimes we do that in worship. We go, okay, stand up from the dark. Why? Why even do it? It says, worship the Lord with gladness. Sing for joy to the Lord all the earth. We're supposed to do it with joy. It's not the only command we see in Psalm 100. By the way, joy is a choice. You can choose to have joy, and it's Christ. Happiness is conditional and based on phenomenon. Um, you can have joy all the time. You can be joyful even when things are not going good, but it depends on your relationship with God. On joy, the Bible says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God fills us with joy. So we can be joyful when we sing praises to him. That second thing we learn from Psalm 100, we are to know that the Lord is God. That's an interesting command, isn't it? Know that the Lord is God. Know that the Lord is God. It's he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That first word, know, it teaches us that there's a difference in the attitude toward the truth that God is God versus a worshiper really gets it. If you're worshiping God, you know he is God. That's why you're worshiping him. He's God, there's no one else. The Lord is God and there is no other. A non-worshiper does not know the Lord to be God. Guys, has there ever been a time where you just didn't get it? Usually this came from the mouth of a girl you liked or were dating. You just don't get it. You may have tried to get it, but you just didn't get it. They say, no, you just don't get it. And you go, no, I understand. They go, no, you don't get it. I mean, you evidently messed up with something. You've explained yourself. You've asked for forgiveness. Uh, you may have even apologized. Good job. But you just don't get it. There's a, no, you just don't get it. 
And to be honest, there's nothing you can do at that point. You're in very dangerous waters. Um, Because there's a difference, right, in getting something and saying, no, I know, no, I know. Like, you really have to know versus just saying, no, I, I, I heard it or I recognized it. Sometimes, honestly, almost always, we misunderstand that. I recognize that that chair is gray. It's over with. Three weeks from now, someone asked me, hey, what color was the chair in front of you? Brown or black, maybe gray, I don't know. I really didn't know. You really have to know. God is saying, know that I am God. Know that I am God. In worship, when we approach him, our Lord, we must get it. We have to get it that he is God. We must know and put our trust in him and that truth that he is God. What does it mean to know God? How do we know this? The psalmist says, he is the one who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So what do I know about God, who he is? Well, he made me. It says, and I'm his. I belong to him because he made me. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Did any of y'all ever have, uh, have to have your parents convince you that they were your parents? Like, Hunter, I'm your mom. I doubt she ever had to say that, unless he had some terrible brain injury where he forgot. But, or your dad was your dad. But I understand there are complicated family situations where you don't have your birth mom or your birth father. But for the most part, what I'm saying is, People don't need their parents to convince them that they're their parents. Y'all ever see those videos of a baby elephant or something that gets separated from its mom or dad? They get it out of a hole or whatever was keeping it away from its parent elephants. And they release it back to the herd. Is there a searching period where they're like, which one of these gray wild beasts is my mom? They go right to the mom because they just know, right? You could pick your mom out of a crowd or your dad out of a crowd because you know them. If you heard their voice, you would know them. Or like a sheep, he says, we know our shepherd. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for my sheep. He goes on, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. John 10, 14, 15, 27. God made you, so you're his. Don't believe anything else. You belong to him, and he loves you. Third, in Psalm 100, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We are to enter his gates. We are to approach him with thanksgiving and praise. Randy brought up this story to me, and I don't remember the pastor's name he was talking about, but he said there was this this preacher he listened to. Uh, It's a podcast. That's as much information as you're going to get about it. But there's this preacher, and he had these people come up to him, and it was a very big church, and they said, hey, pastor, we love your sermons. We love them so much, we timed it just right to where we'll come in right after the, the opening song, and then we'll leave right after you're done, just because we love your messages so much. And he goes, I appreciate that. You are trespassing. And they're like, what? I think he's joking. He goes, you are here wrong. You have entered for a message, and the Bible says you're to enter his courts with, his courts with thanksgiving and praise. You're to approach him with worship. And you have approached him with a heart to hear my words. He said, you're trespassing here. You're supposed to enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. If, uh, if y'all ever watch war movies or history movies, uh, a soldier goes behind enemy lines and he might try to disguise himself, like wear an enemy costume or whatever. The second he speaks, what happens? Like pretend it's World War II, you're an American, you're behind German lines. 
The second I say, hello, my name is, they're going to shoot me because I'm not speaking German. The language identifies who you are. When we enter the presence of the Lord, the language to speak is worship, and we're not trespassing after that. We're to approach him with worship, praise, and thanksgiving. How do you speak worship? The psalmist says, thanksgiving, thank God for what he's done in your life. Praise, praise him for who he is and what he's done. To praise is to thank, it's to exalt, to glorify, and to celebrate. That's what that word means. One of the easiest things to do can become the hardest, to just approach him and say, God, I recognize all the good stuff I have, it's from you, so thank you. I'm going to praise you for it. Anybody in here a fan of the DC Universe comics, Justice League, Batman, Superman? Raise your hand high. Don't be bashful. I know Marvel is the thing right now, but who cares? I grew up, I've mentioned this before. I grew up watching Justice League, the animated series. Yes, the cartoon version. It's far superior to any Marvel movie to come out in the past 10 years. You can crucify me for that. I will, I'll accept it. But there's a scene where Hawk Girl, Hawk, she was carrying. Batman, because he can't fly, he actually goes, I could use some air assistance right now because I can't fly, like at all. So she swoops in and saves him and uh, drops him on the ground, kind of looks at him, and he goes, what? And she goes, I'm usually used to being thanked after I save someone. And he goes, I'm not used to being saved. And then she flies away, and he runs away, beat people up. That's us. Except God doesn't ever ask us, hey, aren't you going to thank me? Usually it's just we realize, I should probably thank God for saving me. Sometimes we have a hard time recognizing and going, I owe thanks to God. He deserves my thanks. He deserves my praise. But sometimes we're not used to being saved. Because our whole life we're used to, the world teaches us, you've got to take care of yourself. You're your own responsibility. Not only can you save yourself, but you can maintain yourself. You'll be all right. Just, just do you, that lie. There is no doing you if you're not saved first. You need to be saved. If you are a Christian, you immediately have something to thank God for when you enter his courts. And I don't just mean a church building. When you approach him in prayer and worshiping in the car, you can thank him for, if you're a Christian, saving you. He saved you from an eternity of hell, and he saved you to have everlasting life, and he saved you from suffering through life without him. Psalm 51:12 says, "Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me." That's a, a prayer, a suggestion that I was given a couple of years ago. If you're running out of things, running out of things, if you forget things to thank God for, ask him to return to you the joy of your salvation. What was the day of and the day like after you got saved like? I'm sure there was a lot of emotion and crying and gratefulness and maybe fear, uncertainty. But if you can remember the time or the day or the year you were saved, remember that joy that comes from it and go, okay, there's the thanks. I can give him thanks for that. However, like Batman, some of us have a hard time saying thank you because we're still not used to that idea that Jesus has completely and totally saved us if we're in him. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. It's Jesus who saves us. If we're Christians, he's saved us. We can thank him for that, and we should. If you are not a Christian or you are unsure, don't leave this place without getting a reason to thank Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For the heart, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. When you enter God's courts, whether in church or prayer or in your car or wherever, thank him and praise him. This is good and right. We've gone through what to do, right? The commands, shout for joy to the Lord, praise the Lord, know that he is God, and approach him with thanks and praise. But why? The psalmist gives us these commands, he says, shout for joy, know that he's God, approach him with thanksgiving and praise. The psalmist does something very interesting and meaningful. He orchestrates this psalm to end with verse 5, he says, for, which means because. We're supposed to shout for joy to the Lord, know that he's God, approach him with thanks and praise because, or for, the Lord is good. We can praise him and thank him and enter his courts with singing because the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness is for all generations. We uh, recently in, in seminary uh, online, we had this assignment where we had to compare a worldview like any religion that's not Christianity, to Christianity. We had to analyze it and critique it and say, why is Christianity better? And the worldview I chose was called secular humanism. Secular meaning not holy or religious, and humanism meanings, meaning human, like of people. Um, and it was interesting. Their, their worldview is based on the idea that we can have goodness and morality and ethics and a purpose and meaning without God. Just take him out of it. You can have all that stuff. Let me assure you, there is nothing and no one good apart from God. You cannot just take the good and leave the God. That's, it doesn't work like that. Anything and anyone, anything you see that's good, that's God. True goodness is not able to be separated from God because he is good. It's like the God is love, not just God does love stuff. God is good. God is love. That is who he is. He cannot be anything else. A rich young man in the Bible, he asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You hear what he called him? He said, good teacher. Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You notice he doesn't correct him. He doesn't say, don't call me good. He just says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Jesus was saying, I am good because I am God. So we have this identification that Jesus is God and that he is good because, of course, God is good. Only him and only him alone. I want you all to think you can leave here or you can do it super-duper fast right now. I'm not going to check it because it's going to be a lot of stuff. But I want you all to think of all the good aspects of your life that you can think of and list them. You can put that heading, good things in life. Um, finish it later. But make that list and know that all the true good things, they're from God. I made a list. And this is, I mean, like a 45-second list really quick. But love is good. Joy is good. Peace is good. Patience is good. Kindness is good. Gentleness is good. Self-control, faithfulness, family, friends, food, animals, work, creation, community, the church, marriage. All these things are good because they come from God. And if you don't believe me, look, love. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Joy, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Peace, you make known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence, eternal pleasures at your right hand. I copied that one, my bad. Jesus is to be called the Prince of Peace, right? His kingdom will never end. That's what that verse was supposed to be. I copied Psalm 16. 
In Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, it says, He will be called Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, because his kingdom of peace will never end. That's his name. That's who he is. Patience. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Kindness. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Gentleness. Take my yoke upon you and lean from me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Self-control. This is Jesus. Here's my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I'll put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. Faithfulness. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Family. Y'all have a family? If you don't, this is your new one. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Family is from God. Friends, greater love has no one than this, than a man who'd lay down his life for his friends. Friends are good, and that friendship is from God. Food and work. Can I get an amen for food? Okay. There's nothing better for man than to eat, drink, and find enjoyment in his own toil or work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. Animals. God made all the wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. God saw that it was good. The heavens and the earth, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. Community in the church, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. The community you have or that you want, it's from God. Marriage. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib of man, and he brought her to the man. At last, he exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. That was a long list to y'all, but it's really just a glimpse of God's goodness. These are just very quick examples I was able to think up in a 45-second span with my human mind. God's nature and his character is to show you so much more of his goodness. But it starts when you surrender to him in your life. You have to go to him in belief and surrender. He will show you his goodness. But he's not going to show it to you this far away. You can't see him. The Bible says if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. If you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. That's not a big to-do list before we get to see the goodness of God. Just seek him. Go to him and look to him. He'll show you his goodness. I assure you, you can give thanks and praise to God and sing to him with joy because he knows what is good, because he is good. We are his, and his love endures forever. He's worthy to be praised. There was a famous preacher that said, I might have shared this before, there's going to be more praise and worship in heaven than there is preaching. Did you all know that? There'll be more praise and worship and songs in heaven than there will be preaching. There's nothing that any preacher will ever say or any sermon ever given where God will go, hmm. I know that. That's a good one. That's a good one. But we can praise him and he'll accept it. We can worship him with song and he will take it. The Bible says that the praises of his people fill a bowl like incense and it rises to his nose and it pleases him. God was so good that, if you did not know this, he sent his son in a body like ours to die in your place so that if you'd believe in him, you'd be saved. We talked about Romans 10, 9 and 10 a second ago. That's what that is. You can taste and see that the Lord is good. 
but it starts with believing in him. So now we're going to sing some more, and I plead with you, please sing, for he is good. Father God, we praise you, and we love you, Lord, for you are good. Your love endures forever. Your faithfulness, God, reaches beyond the clouds, and we ask that as we praise you now, you be with us, Lord, and we give you thanks for all the good things you've done, Lord. We think of all the good things you've done. We have nothing to give you, God, but, but thanks and praise, so we give them to you, Lord. Be with us here now, in Jesus' name. Amen.